Welcome to a brand new episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Co-hosts Amanda Ware, our Christmas queen and founder of Hello Holidays, and Dr. Kara Osborne, our multi-venture guru, are ready to sit down and share their stories, insights, and wisdom to inspire aspiring trailblazers like you who are gearing up to start your own business, seeking personal growth, or looking for that spark to set your soul ablaze. To further our understanding of the Enneagram, in today's episode, co-host Amanda and Kara will be discussing subtypes. Subtypes are fascinating. Subtypes might be more important to, than the Enneagram, understanding subtypes. I'm fascinated. Subtypes are your instinct stack. So um, there are three subtypes. There are three subtypes, social, one-to-one, or sometimes it's called sexual, but it doesn't have anything to do with sex. It's a, like one-to-one interaction versus one-to-many uh, and self-preservation. And we all have all three of these things, but the way it works is you have a primary subtype that's kind of your go-to strategy. You have a secondary subtype that supports that primary strategy, meaning it backs it up. And then you have a blind spot. So for me, I'm for sure one-to-one. I'm a one-to-one five, a sexual five. And that means that as a five, Beatrice Chestnut has this beautiful book that talks in depth about subtypes. So instead of nine Enneagram types, there's really 27 because she goes into each of the three subtypes for each of the nine types. I am much more, my depth of relationship and my willingness to connect in at least a one-to-one way is significantly more than the sort of stereotypical five, which would be more of a self-pres five that's pretty withdrawn and really doesn't have a lot of social interaction. So my instinct stack is one-to-one social. So I'm happy to go to a party or do whatever, like be in a one-to-many situation if I think it supports a primary relationship. So I would go to a party that you gave I would really only be there because it was your party. I would not be there thinking, wow, I want to meet everybody in the room and how many people can I talk to? It's really just supporting or in service to my tendency toward one-to-one interaction. I've always been like that. I've always loved to have a primary playmate, my like go-to friend. And I have lots of them at this point in life, but at different, you know, seasons of life, the like one person that was like the quick draw call has been my sort of default. And as I've gotten older, that's expanded and it's not like just one person anymore, but definitely as a kid, I was like, I always had a best friend, you know, my very best friend uh, and was really attached to that person. Um, But I have a total blind spot around self-preservation. Like, it's why my phone is never charged. It's why I, like, get someplace and don't have, like, my contacts or my toothbrush or just basic self-care stuff. It's a real blind spot. And the goal of understanding subtypes and instincts is to get to a balanced place where you're, you're bringing up your... You're consciously working to bring up your blind spot and you're balancing out um, your tendency to be potentially overly one-to-one to the detriment of not having good um, community, social connections, or 
for some people, they are way one to many, very, very interested in like the group and really don't feel that they can even go out with just one other couple because they worry about who might be left out. And so if they have somebody over for dinner, it's a dinner party for 12 couples. It's not me and my bestie. That's right? me. That's how I did. And I think before the pandemic, I was really like that. It was all about, I never could just like, I'd feel so, I'd have to have, it never was just one person over. I'd have to have a whole bunch. I remember Alice, I had this like, hey, come over for dinner. And she came over and there was like five other, six other people there. And she was like, thought it was going to be just, I'm like, but you don't care. Everyone, well, she's a self-pres, so, like, that's a big deal for her to come to our house. Like, she, she, she's really good at taking care of herself. And so I never thought about it that, I thought everybody wanted lots of people, the more the merrier. Since, but I do feel like I'm changing and becoming more one-to-one, -one, and I definitely struggle with self-pres, but I'm working on it. Do they change? Can you shift? Sure, absolutely. And often if there are big shifts in your environment, that's when they shift. Most people don't come all the way out of their blind spot without a whole lot of intentional work. Um, their blind spot tends to be their blind spot. But like I have a friend who's a self-pres too. So she's a helper, 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 but she needs a lot of me time. She's like got a lot of sort of uh, acupuncture, craniosacral, like, um, she wants to help until and unless it invades her uh, self-preservation instinct. And people who have self-preservation as their top instinct have often had some real obvious adaptive reason where they had to take care of themselves. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of siblings or there was some issue where their parents couldn't be as dependable or whatever. Uh, same thing on a one-to-one, -one, like, that is a strategy to like essentially survive, right? My way when I feel unsafe is to request, you know, energy and safety from one other person, or my way is to connect to the group. Churches really push the group thing, you know? And I think a social six is like the stereotypical evangelical church member. It's somebody who um, is really focused on safety, is really interested in belonging as a way of safety, and wants to be a part of a big group, like safety in numbers, right? It's like a zebra strategy. Like, as long as we're a whole herd of zebra all wearing the same stripes, the predator is confused and can't. It makes all of us safer if we just all stick together. And that is certainly a strategy, and it's one that works, and it works for a lot of people. For those of us who don't tend to be um, one to many like that, you know, I always used to say I'm just not a joiner, you know, and I'm really not. Like the group dynamic and the sort of like way that peer pressure comes along and groups kind of like escalate things mm -hmm. feels very unsafe to me. Like, you know, my friend Sarah will tease about me being absolutely opposed to the idea of going on spring break with our sorority sisters. Like I still to this day cannot think of anything that sounds much worse. Oh my gosh, I would have been like, yes, I'd have been the first one on the bus. Like, uh, come on, let's go. And that was always Sarah. And you know, she's a stranger talker. And like, it can't just be, 
you and I have taken this catamaran trip out in the ocean and aren't we enjoying ourselves? It's you and I have taken this catamaran trip and now she's going to know every uh -huh, single other uh -huh. person that's on the boat. That's how we roll. Stranger talkers. Yeah. Man, so. Sarah and I in a room, Sarah and I on a catamaran cruise, we're going to have everybody coming back to our hotel after. That's right. Yeah. It's a party. It's a party. The now we're all friends. We'll be friends 10 years yeah. from now. <laughs> you know, like we're going to stay BFFs forever, yeah. all 25 of us. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, what in the world? Yeah. Like, I have too many friends already. I don't want to meet any it's new ones. It's too much stress. It's yeah. too much stress. And then, you know, for people who tend towards, like, social, if they're one-to-one -one or if they're self-prez, it's really in support of continuing to be able to create and be a part of those groups. Yeah. Um, so I think for you, pandemic and just your own personal growth, you're having this little bit of rearranging where more one-to-one um, -one interactions that go deeper are feeling better for you maybe than they used to. And the big social group, you know, not that you wouldn't do it, but that you would do it because it supported your individual totally. relationships. Yeah. That's fascinating. And That's the self-pres people, like those guys are um, like to me, like an enigma. And I just like look at them and think, I wish I could do that. I, like, I'm so blind to it. We're married to self-pres. That's right. And that's why we love, we're like in awe of it. It's yeah. fascinating. It's like, you know. I trust them. I, if, you're, if you come to me and you're like, I'm self-pres, I'm like, oh, I trust you because you trust yourself more than anybody else around here. That's right. And you've like packed your bag, yeah. made your sandwich. <laughs> made sure that you had everything you uh -huh. needed and now you're like do you need help <laughs> and like i've packed three kids and all the snacks for the day and gotten the directions and booked all the hotels and done everything for everybody but myself and then i get to kentucky for two days and i don't even have a toothbrush you know i'm so blind to it now the good news is he's got probably two toothbrushes and it'll be exactly. fine. But like <laughs> that balance is so important and it it does it is something that I'm really, really working on. And I find that I get blinder and blinder to it when I am too busy. When the batteries are dead, when I've got too much going on, when there's just too much movement. Let's talk about how you and I can use my get my. I think it's a gift to be one to many. That's a gift to me. I love a group of people and being able to feel like I can make a relationship with a zillion people is definitely something I don't take for granted. I'm proud of that. Tell me how and you being one to one. Tell me how that is going to how that works for us in a um, entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I think and in relationships with that, like in business. Yeah, I think they're all gifts. I think all three, you know, things are gifts. And the real gift at this stage of life is knowing that all three exist and that people have different stacks and being able to line them up. And when you feel tension or disjointed with another person, going back to the subtypes can maybe help understand why it feels off. You know, because often you default to thinking, well, I love a party. Why doesn't everybody totally. love a party? Or like, I love talking on the phone to my best friend for five hours. Why doesn't everybody yeah. want to talk for five hours? Or 
I need my self-care day of like yoga and acupuncture and pedicure. Like how do people even get through life without that? It's that expectation that the way you do it is the way everybody else does it that calls the question and gives you the opportunity to have a conversation. You know, if somebody else also has that language to have a conversation about how you're different and not have either party expect the other person to do it their way, right? It's not like, well, I'm one-to-one -one and I need you to be more one-to-one because -one that's how it works for me, you know, to be able to actually enjoy and celebrate the differences. And in some of the Enneagram types, those subtypes are like really starkly different. So one that just comes to mind is um, Beatrice Chestnut talks about it as like, you know, the sort of archetypical or like the most common for the number, or the one that is most in line with the general description and then like the countertop. So for threes, a social three, the like social butterfly captain of the football team three is the sort of um, exemplar of the type. A self, and threes are like, typically want to be um, attractive. They can often be quite vain. A self-preservation three is vain about not being vain. So they want recognition and gold stars for being really efficient and driving a tiny car and wearing old clothes. And it doesn't mean that they're not still a three because they're still just trying to get a gold star and win and be the best. But those subtypes can really affect sort of the general look and feel. So like a social eight versus a self-pres eight, like a self-pres eight or a self-pres seven may or may not look anything like what you're used to, those, you know, big outward facing numbers, aggressive numbers looking like and that's just a way to say if someone tells you you know I'm an eight and you're like you don't seem like an eight to me at all maybe they're a self-pres eight mm -hmm. maybe they're an eight that still has all those same underlying fears and desires but just looks different on the outside so fascinating that whole stack's fascinating everyone has a stack so you're either going to be Self-pres, one-to-one, or one-to-many, and that can go in all different orders. Subtypes, Beatrice yeah. Chestnut. And they can shift. Absolutely. Here we go. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Kara and Amanda, your Soul Blazing Big Sisters, are just laying the foundation for all of the amazing things to come. If you want to stay up to date on new episodes, be notified of any discounts, or get a glimpse of what we are working on behind the scenes, go to soulblazers.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, Soul Blazers.